Hello, everyone. My name's Hank Suttala. And I'm Casey McBride. Here with special guest Paul DeFranco. And uh, despite some technology issues, here is Stir Crazy Shamans. Hello, everyone. My name's Hank Suttala, and thank you so much for joining this episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. Just doing a quick tech thing, but today we have special guest Paul DeFranco with us, who is a past uh, hypnotherapist, past life regression specialist, and also has some information about the Akashic Records. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you both. I've been catching your program on and off for the last month. Awesome. I remember one time you even sent me a message that you were... Um, Oh, it says going live in 2.54. I got to do something here. I'm sorry, guys. A little tech thing going on. So let me just go in here and do this real quick. I see us live on Facebook, but I don't see it. Actually. Oh, I have to make us public on mine. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sorry, everyone. Stand by for technical stuff. Casey, you just gone a little bit dark. I could Did see I you. Not as well as before. Okay. Oh, and I'm not even on the right. Where am I? <laughs> oh, it does show me I'm live. I think there was just, oh, maybe there's just, um, I don't know. On Facebook, I'm looking at it, and it's not live, but I'm looking at the studio, and it says it is live. I don't know. Well, that's fun. This is just an odd day. So everybody, let's do a f one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven for technology. <laughs> and that will be a whole separate video explaining what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do the squirrel thing. They <laughs> <laughs> shake it off. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, I guess we can kind of start now. <laughs> so anyway, starting again, Paul DeFranco is with us. Paul, welcome. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you two shamans. Can I can I go off topic? Oh, absolutely. That, we, we love that. That's why, you know, the name is Stir Crazy in the title. People can't expect us to stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like that. It's built in. <laughs> the reason I thought of this is because you kind of alluded to something about my being on the walk when I gave you a test, uh, not a test message, but a uh, hello, I'm listening. Yeah. And in lieu of going to the gym, you know, three or four times a week over the last month and a half uh, to stay active, I've doing, been doing walks in the uh, metro parks. And um, that's the last time I caught you, actually. And yeah, one, and it was maybe around um, 7 p.m., if that has anything to do with what I saw. And I was on a trail that I'm only, always on. And I went by a tree, and I heard, well, a number of trees, there were a lot of trees there, a moaning and a groaning. And I thought, hmm, sounds like a wounded animal. So I got really still. And just sat and watched, and it seemed to be coming from a tree. This tree was groaning and moaning. It sounded like an animal. I don't know. Have you ever run into that before? And, and no. what does it mean? No. Well, one, it could be, uh, you know, it's mating season for a lot of animals, so they could be getting it on up in the tree. That's why <laughs> the first thing that comes to me, honestly. It was uh, a, deep, a deep sound. A deep, oh, well. 
Oh, Casey, uh, that might be more in your topic because you are you have more awareness around spirit beings and things like that <laughs> than I in terms of their functionings and things. <laughs> no, I don't know about. Um, well, uh, I do remember I was hiking through the metro parks. I think this was uh, yesterday or the day before, and uh, same thing. I came across uh, it was like uh, like three or four trees that had kind of grown together and just the way the wind was blowing them. It was, it was like a really uh, loud and um, yeah, a uh, sound that like you wouldn't expect, if you didn't see the trees moving, I would have been like, would not have expected that to be coming from a tree. Um, but as far as like spiritual beings, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm more of a, I see, I don't really uh, hear audibly as much, uh, but I do sometimes. So who knows, that could have been, um, there could have been just a <laughs> some kind of spirit being making some kind of noise right by the tree or who knows. <laughs> well, I, I sat and watched it for about a minute or so. And then I thought, uh-oh, what if this means it's going to fall? <laughs> Maybe because, you know, everything's kind of stripped of leaves still. And I looked up, I didn't see a leaf on the tree. So I backed away out of the, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and listen to it for a while longer, and then I thought, well, I'll just have to ask somebody. The last time I was on with you, Hank, I think I told you a story about my friend who journeyed to a tree. That I it, vaguely it, remember. I you'll have to refresh my memory. Plus, everybody else hasn't heard it. Okay, so this was a gigantic tree on a city lot in Ellet, which is a suburb—well, not a suburb, but an area in Akron. And it was dropping brand, large branches on her car and garage and house and that kind of thing in the backyard. And so she felt bad about cutting it down, but it needed to come down. So prior to um, um, having it uh, cut down, she journeyed to it and talked to it and said, um, you know, it, it looks like this is causing a lot of havoc for me in my life and expense. I'm going to need to, to take, take you down. And the tree gave her permission. It said, um, the spirit of the tree said, um, you know, it's time for me to go and return to the earth. And I've had a good long life, etc. This is like 20, 25 years ago. So I, I'm paraphrasing it, but it, it left such a mark. Um, in my in my memory that um, it came up last week and then again last night when I heard this tree groaning. Yeah. Well, one thing around that there was uh, there's a shamanic classes going on. I don't know if it happened in the apprenticeship group or in the soul retrieval intensive that we're doing. But uh, one of the students had asked. They have this tree and they felt really bad, like the tree was now kind of getting to be a danger on the property, and she was going to need to cut it down. And she she was just heart sick at needing to to do this and what came from the discussion was that well just because you have to cut down the tree one you can communicate with the tree and you know let it know this is you know what's up but then you can still honor the tree in a lot of different ways so we, we were all giving her suggestions that you could take the wood and donate it for use in a sweat lodge you can take some of the sticks and make it into runes or to shamanic staffs or other things and so the there's amazing ways to honor like when you do have to make that choice uh to cut down a tree, um, letting it know, having that conversation with it, but then also honoring it and uh, continuing to let it be a service in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's reincarnation for trees. You become cool spiritual knickknacks. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and then hopefully there's one of those giant um, forest walker things that will come along and guide your soul into the afterlife. Like we came. Oh across. yeah, we went on a hike the other day, and uh, Casey has like we, we work very differently. Like he actually sees the spirit beings, and I just have an awareness of what what things are. Uh, so it's kind of cool that we're starting to blend together a bit now. So he's <laughs> he's like describing this thing to me, and like never really knew what it was. I'm like, oh, this is like this the spirit that goes when a tree dies, and like guides that spirit that tree spirits. Um, essence into another another plane and another dimension and it was just kind of just totally fit with the way that he energetically described it uh so it's it's uh, you know trees are magical everything has this animated life essence to it and yeah. if you have to make a choice about anything uh you can have a conversation with it whether it's a table a rock a chair a tree and just having that dialogue and it energetically knowing that it's going to be repurposed or something else is going to come of it um makes a lot more ease with the energy and and then you can maybe get some inspirations of how to create new possibilities like making runestones or something like that so that's a great story that uh she had that conversation and journey to the tree and with this tree i was wondering was it in pain or were they growing pains was it ready to kind of burst forward for spring or, or what the heck was going on but i had never heard a tree I would actually describe it more as singing rather than moaning and groaning. Okay. Almost like a whale sings. There's a very low, sustained sound like, ah. Uh, kind of <laughs> well, if you had described it that way the first time, I might have got a different place with where I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Think of a whale, maybe a whale or an elephant. It was a very low. I can't even go that low. Yeah, but. <laughs> well, where is this park? Maybe we need to make a, a little shaman adventure out to this park, Casey. Yeah. And, and look for the singing tree. Oh, well, now, we, now, we, now we have to because we have to well, find out what's going on. How far away are you from Parma? It's in West Creek, uh, okay. West Creek Reservation. Well, send me send me a note uh, after we're done, and I, we will go out there. Maybe we'll make a little video and we'll post it uh, on the channel. Like this is we found the singing tree, and maybe we'll see what we can uh, get on camera and stuff like that. <laughs> now this is a mission. See, this yeah. is why this happened, Paul, is because now you've given us a mission to go out to find the singing tree. <laughs> but here's the other thing that's odd about my last three trips out to this park. The last three times I saw a deer. The um, second trip of the three, there was a herd of deer. There must have been a half a dozen or more right in front of me. I've been going to this park now for a month and a half, two months, however it's been, you know, for mm -hmm. since the shutdown. And I don't remember seeing any, but this is three days, three days in a row. So I had a singing tree and deer around me. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, uh last time we were hiking i i didn't see any physical deer but i saw the spirit of a buck uh it was like really um just powerful energy but yeah i know sometimes i'll go i'll hike um uh you know for a whole month going regularly to the metro parks and i won't see a single deer and then um yeah you just start to see like and i wonder if it's not is it their mating season around now i wonder if that has to do anything with it. that could be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> Well, deers are, I think that's symbolic of the heart. Mm. Very yeah. cool. So putting those two concepts together, like your heart sing. Walks are making my heart sing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
So now kind of looping back, now we had a, a great little excursion. I know that uh, people are probably like, what does this have to do with Akashic Records? But maybe, maybe. But you got to give me credit. I tied into your whole shamanic thing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. No, that, was, <laughs> that was awesome. That was wonderful. And and I, I really um, like where the conversation went with that and kind of gave us a, a little field trip assignment now. And it wasn't planned. It was I wasn't planning on asking you that question. I just came, came up. <laughs> Right. So now if you're just joining us, one quick note, uh, we are streaming to YouTube and then a whole bunch of places on Facebook. So if you're catching this on Facebook, unless it's like my personal profile, which I forgot to set to public, um, or if it's um, Casey's profile, we're not seeing the comments. So you need to go to YouTube to make the comments or you can message the show at the Facebook thing. So um, definitely take a moment to do that. And if, while you're on YouTube, if it feels light, please click the subscribe button and click the thumbs up because that just helps us reach more YouTubers uh, when uh, when they see that people are finding value out of the video and stuff, it gets served up to more people. So that definitely helps us out. But today's talk is all about the Akashic Records. And I didn't even know Paul knew anything about the Akashic Records until I was uh, talking with them on another uh, podcast I do called Holistic Highlights. And we were talking about meditation. And then I found out he was doing a class at Goddess Elite where he was taking people through a process to journey to the Akashic Records. So Paul, first, let me... Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself too? I put on the description, the original one that didn't get deleted, that you're an internationally known uh, hypnotherapist and past life regression. <laughs> he's, he's laughing, but the thing is he's taught at Lilydale. And for people who don't know what, who, what Lilydale is, Lilydale is a spiritualist community in New York that people travel to from all around the world. So once you've taught at Lilydale, guaranteed you're known in at least a couple countries. So I am fully confident that it's true. But tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today as a, a practitioner with the hypnotherapy arts and meditation and, and everything you do. Wow. I don't know if we have enough time for that. Really abbreviated. Um, you know, it was a series of stepping stones and I don't know where, where to start. So I'm not going to go to the beginning, but I, if, as I look back and maybe you two can do this too. It was just one thing led to another and led to another, led to another. And, it wasn't planned. I mean, maybe I could see one one step out, two steps out, but if if I were to go thirty years ago and and project, I, I couldn't have projected where I ended up. Just no way. But with with hypnotherapy, it's kind of like my latest addition, and I I really blench. I, I, I'm not trying to tie in the at all, but I do do shamanic work through the hypnotherapy like with bringing back soul. See, I'm learning new things about Paul all the time that I didn't know that you did a shamanic component <laughs> to your work. Yeah, so um, one of my main teachers and then her teacher, who was actually part Native American, as I recall, uh, started blending in some of the shamanic work with uh, the hypnotherapy. And then I learned from those two. So we can, uh, we can also do... Uh, some soul retrieval work and some extraction work uh, through the shima, through the hypnotherapy as well. It's not quite the same. The people are more or less doing it themselves, and you're guiding them through it rather than doing it for them. Um, but anyways, I, I I went on another excursion. <laughs> Excursions are a okay, Paul. No worries. <laughs> I, think, I think I have this unconscious wish to tie in with your show somehow because I. 
totally unplanned and happened twice. <laughs> well, well, let me throw a question to Casey because maybe we can tie the topic we we're going to talk about into Akashic Records. Have you, in your shamanic journeys, have you ever, because uh, I, I can answer this too uh, from my training, but uh, have you gone to the Akashic Records? Have you used that in your shamanic work at all? Um, I'll be totally honest. Uh, I've heard, I know conceptually like what the Akashic records I think kind of means, but, um, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I have, um, I don't know exactly what that would be like, uh, to do that, uh, but maybe I have many times. I'm not sure. Well, maybe yeah. after today's talk, you'll, you'll find out more and be able to well, well, and I guess uh, a question to ask then, since Casey's not even familiar with it, Paul, why don't you give us in layman's terms, what is the Akashic Records and why should we care about it? So the Akashic Records are probably one of the most abstract um, philosophical, metaphysical things that I do. And I don't know that I have a really good explanation for it. I don't know that anybody does. Uh, one of the best uh, analogies that I heard recently is it's like the spiritual internet. Because um, <clears throat> you can ask yourself, well, where is the internet? Is it on your computer? Well, yeah, but not really. You know, it's everywhere. And the Akashic Records, I think, in, from what I can wrap my head around it, are everywhere. It's like the substance of the universe. Okay, having said that, that's like the really big abstract picture. I think the image that most people have, because they have to start somewhere with some kind of a, a model, some kind of a model to journey to in your language, is a hall of records, an ancient library, where um, your, the information of your life is stored that you can retrieve. So um, there's, there's a, a little bit of a dividing line. Um, some people think that all of our lives information is there from beginning to end. And others will say it's up to the present day. And then there's a set of probabilities that can occur based on where you're at right now. And I think that's the way a medium might look at mm -hmm. the work that they do. Is that, is that the way you see it? You've been through mm -hmm. medium training. Yeah, definitely. Because people are always like, well, is this going to happen? And I can actually look at, I look at it, I see it as a gauge and it goes from zero to a hundred and zero is like a hard no and a hundred is a hard yes. And usually it's a needle that falls somewhere in between because it's all probabilities. And I can see sometimes if I tell someone they're about to get a new job, I see the need, I say, okay, if I tell this to the person, it just drops like significantly because I can already know that if they know that the job's coming, they're going to stop doing what they're doing and they just change the probabilities. So, so, so that's why I use this needle technique because it's like, well, with questions like that, it's always about, well, what are you choosing? Because you can bring anything you'd like into your life and your choices and awareness around your choices just increases or decreases your probabilities and how quickly you can actualize it in your life. But you can absolutely create anything. There's nothing off the table. So hanging around mediums and <clears throat> having visited Lilydale for almost three decades now, I, I'm in that latter group that I, I think it's a place to go to find out about your life and, and really all lives, but up to where they're at today. And then 
I'm of that school that the rest can be probabilities that you may or may not want to know about. <laughs> so um, you could do past life work by going to the shamanic records and obtaining that information there. It's another way of approaching past life. I love it. Did you realize you just called it the shamanic records instead of Akashic records? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> oh, or maybe it's just the way I heard it. Oh, it's official. It's re-termed now. Shamanic, shamanic records. records. <laughs> we're, we're coining it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like to examine things, and I, I, I'm very, very self-reflective. And then there was an insecure part of me, I got to admit, that said, what am I doing on the show? I'm not a shaman. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and how do I, I going to fit in? Is it stretching me or is it stretching the show? And I, I, maybe unconsciously, and the unconscious is so powerful mm -hmm. in, in the hypnotherapy world anyway, that I keep trying to find ties to, to work in your show. <laughs> so you're stop oh, so oh, don't tell me it was just a Freudian slip. I'll be so disappointed. <laughs> That's what, you know, the theory behind Freudian slips, it's, it's your unconscious talking to you. It, I mean, there's a reason why Freud started listening to Freudian slips because he found meaning in them and then, perform the analysis around it. Okay, well, how does this relate to what this person is experiencing in their life today? So Freudian slips are not to be thrown away. Well, and to kind of play on that, if, if in fact that was a Freudian slip kind of speaking an unspoken truth, you know, the, the original spirituality in the world was the shamanism. It is what goes back to the roots of so many different cultures and from that as the modern world evolved they put different labels on things and called different things something else and all that so perhaps originally this was just you know how shamans knew things they went to where things were and it was the records for everything who knows so i like it so i, th I think a lot of times when i'm doing like readings for people um like i am well so for example a lot of times people will want to know okay how do i know um this being that has showed up and um that being will start to i just get this like energy that they send and then i start to see like a whole past life scene playing out and then i get knowledge along with that that i can translate into words uh, so i wonder if that's not them like okay here's that part of the akashic records and now we're both linked to it and seeing the same thing i wonder if that's not um sort of a similar experience I think it is. I think what <clears throat> Hank was talking about earlier, um, I, I see a lot of parallels. And this is part of my training. And because I've covered a lot of, I've tried a lot of different modalities out there, just this much. <laughs> in hypnotherapy, I've gone a little deeper. A lot of them I just kind of sampled. But even in the, the small depths that I've gone into these, if you line them up, they're so sim similar. And it's just a matter of, what you call them and maybe how you perceive them and what kind of models you have them in your mind. Absolutely. No, I just wanted to share real quick. I think it's uh, funny. You said um, 
hypnotherapy is one of the things you got into a little later. Um, for me, uh, hypnotherapy was one of the first things I discovered that then led me into discovering all this other stuff. Um, but I, Hank, I don't know if you knew that, but I was really into hypnosis um, way back in the day. I know you mentioned it once, but were you just uh, per, uh, participating in things or did you actually go through training and do you do hypnotherapy? I wasn't sure on that. So I never went to school. I almost did. Um, I uh, I called and was ready to sign up, but they were like, oh, you just missed enrollment. You'll have to wait till next year. Um, and so I never ended up doing it, but I, pr I practiced, it wasn't hypnotherapy because I wasn't certified, but I was the one facilitating hypnosis. I was the hypnotist. Guided meditation. <laughs> right. For, uh, and I did that for like hundreds of people. And a lot of the times I would just play with, uh, more of the fun, um, like hypnotic phenomena, like hypnotic amnesia, positive and negative hallucinations and, um, uh, you know, like all that <laughs> fun stuff. Wow. <laughs> some, those are some pretty deep techniques that you have to talk about there. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you're a natural. I found some uh, really good teachers that had a lot of great, like, free resources. And, but I was able to just, I would watch a video on a technique and then I would go and try it on someone and, like, that. It was just like I picked it up. So it came very naturally to me. Um, so a lot of, like, what I do with um, certain, uh, like, uh, guided shamanic meditations and things to get the person into the trance state where we start to uh, journey. I will use techniques that I learned way back then from uh, hypnosis to do that. So you're tying him in as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the hypnotherapy is the primary way that you help people access the Akashic records, isn't it, Paul? Right, right. But before we go there, I, I know we're channelizing people with the Akashic Records a lot. <laughs> what, what these two fields have in common is the trans state. They're, they're both just different types of trans states that they, we operate in. So now to your question. Uh, which was something about the was, oh, well that was one of the like when you facilitate people accessing the akashic records the main tool that you use is to bring them through some sort of hypnotherapy right and, and it, it, it's a deeper form to for most people to have that access you need to take them down pretty low so there's a long induction on it um this is not something that i have yet tried in a um, like a quick 30 minute group kind of, you know, sampling thing. I'm not sure it would work that way. Well, at least maybe not consistently with everybody in the group because they're all in different spots that have to go to a different right. depth or whatnot. So Edgar Casey, who was also a natural um, in the maybe the 1930s and 40s, used to put himself down through self-hypnosis fairly quickly access the Akashic records, but he was, you know, probably one in a million <laughs> that, that had that kind of talent and also practice. Um, but normally it takes a while to get there. Does that help? No, absolutely. And I, and what helps people, like if, if you did want to access the Akashic records, one thing that you can start doing, and I know Casey did a lot of meditations and things is you just start, practicing because it's all about I, and, and maybe they even have i don't know if they've discovered the exact frequency the brain goes to when you're accessing that but there's all these different levels of theta and different brainwave frequencies and i've always looked at that as each brainwave frequency even like if it's like 7.1 hertz 7.115 hertz 
all these little subtle variations it's like a radio and you're turning into a certain station and so like you're you're trying to what what you're doing when you're doing the hypnotherapy work is you're bringing them to a point where they're in that frequency and they can actually access that channel if you will uh, and people who have a practice of meditation or mindfulness and movement or anything else that can start to entrain the brain to go there more easily um it can really help out when you were looking to do that work. I know when we had Paul for the first past life regression hypnotherapy thing, he had told me I went out like, like he was just starting to bring people down and I was already like off having. <laughs> and, and then he shared with me that meditators, because your brain naturally has been going to these data states and things like that, they tend to go down way more quickly. And, and that's been, uh, was my experience with Paul as well. Plus you got the most hypnotic voice ever. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, <clears throat> you brought up a number of good points. You know, we speak about people being in beta or alpha and beta and delta, and it really is a range. And I, I would guess that you're going to be more in the lower end of theta to get to the uh, Akashic records, and that's why usually it's a longer induction to get there for most people. <clears throat> you have to talk about... Um, uh, most and tendencies and because everybody has different talents <laughs> out there. And when you, I know you did a thing with goddess elite not too long ago with, um, with uh, kind of an Akashic, what was that different? Was that Akashic records or was that not forgetting if it was that or something else? I did three things with them. The last was the Akashic. Right. So I'm curious when you go through and you bring people down for Akashic records, uh, sometimes does someone just have a completely different experience? And I, mean, I assume that's okay. Like people have whatever experience that they're going to have, but oftentimes when you're doing the work in hypnotherapy, you might be giving them a guiding to go on one, but once they're in the space, they might go off and have whatever's right for them at the same time. Well, the way it was explained to me by one of my teachers was um, the higher self wants us to heal and when it sees an opportunity meaning a window or door open it just may jump through it so when you open somebody up you're creating that opportunity you're opening the window and the higher self may guide the unconscious and the subconscious minds to go somewhere that wasn't planned because it 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 determines the priority not our conscious minds here mm. and our ego here does that make sense? No, absolutely. And it really makes sense a lot because if you're always on the defensive and now you're just starting to open up your higher self, you might just choose to do whatever's going to create the greatest change for you instead of what was planned. But uh, sometimes <laughs> the ego might get in the way because it's like, but he says to go down the path, but I want to go through that door. Uh, mm -hmm. I got to go down the path, but I want to go through that door. So it, it's probably really important to let people know at the beginning, like, hey, if you are having a different um, awareness that, you know, follow your knowing. So two things come to mind. I've, I've had a gazillion soul retrievals on me, on me in the last 25, 30 years. And sometimes I'll ask the practitioners if they can bring back a part or ask to bring back a part regarding a certain period in my life or situation. And I'll always get the answer. Well, I'll ask, I'll try, but there's no guarantee because there and you are not in charge of this. It's the order that they need to come in, that they'll come in. 
So that's point number one. Point number two was um, the first time I had a hypnotherapy, deep, deep hypnotherapy session, and I'd been um, getting the light stuff for maybe 15, 20 years uh, up until that point. I went to this person with a particular problem, and I can't even remember what it was, but I said, here's what I want solved. And that's the way hypnotherapy works best. You, you give somebody, the hypnotherapist, some instructions, and they pull out a technique to help solve that problem for you. So what happened was I tripped into a past life. I didn't go there wanting a past life regression. I wanted a certain problem solved. The past life regression relieved, relieved me and revealed a um, tendency to bring unnecessary guilt along with me. That's not what I went there for. But somehow my higher self guided her and I into relieving me of this guilt that I brought in with me from another life that used to occur when there was no reason for guilt to occur. So it was a load, think of maybe Quasimodo. <laughs> it was a load I was carrying around me for years for no reason. And so I bring that up because it ties into what you said. I went there for one purpose, but what came out was a completely different solution to an answer that I wasn't even seeking. I didn't know I had the problem. And I have the same insight. Oh, Casey probably has the same insight. Go for it. You can go. I won't. Well, it might not be. But anyway, I was just going to say that, uh, like, uh, when I, all these readings I've been doing lately, um, people will come asking questions of, like, um, you know, oh, well, I want to know what's going on with, like, this relationship or whatever. And um, we start out asking those questions, and then sometimes it's like, oh, uh, we've been waiting to talk to her about some things and do some healing for a long time. So they come in just wanting to know about career relationship or whatever, but then spirit starts to like really ask these questions and, and turn them into themselves. People experience like deep release of like emotions and all this. And like, they weren't expecting it at all, but it was what they needed. And it was what spirit was waiting for them just to be open to. And um, so, yeah, oftentimes uh, with, with anything, uh, readings or shamanic journeying or whatever, people go in sort of wanting, one thing in spirit this is like here's the direction we need to go <laughs> priorities <laughs> priorities hank you were gonna yeah. say something the it may parallel a little bit with casey's so in shamanism when we do a soul retrieval um there's a couple different ways to do it the most effective is if you know what happened where it happened and uh who it happened with and without going into the story just energetically knowing which point in this moment uh, you know this timeline do you need to go to retrieve the soul piece? But then the question to ask is, what is the original wound? Because whatever they experienced, say uh, someone walked out on them and they experienced abandonment and they have the soul loss from this divorce or whatever it is, that might be version 34 of the same wound. And so where was the original wound? And, and that's where you, it might not even be this lifetime, which is interesting when you said you went to a past life, you were looking to deal with this, but what was the original wound? And I'm getting goosebumps as I say it. So mm -hmm. like people might come for, for thing A, but really it's, you know, way over here. That was the, the, the beginning of this energy flow that's creating this experience in their life that keeps showing up. Precisely. So in my case, I went to ancient Rome, and it was maybe the third or fourth century 
not BC, but what's the other one? AD? AD. <laughs> they, changed, they changed it recently. It has different letters. And I'm on the old system still. <laughs> Before the common era and after the common era, I think is a new way of saying it. Oh, so they, want, they took Christ out of it, huh? Right, exactly. Oh. Well, I mean, what have they got against the dude? No, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get the two in and mixed now. So anyways, about the third or fourth century, um, and that's where the original wound was. Now, in this life, I did have uh, unnecessary guilt, um, a lot of times brought on one, by one of my parents, who shall remain nameless, <laughs> to, brought here to teach me a lesson, I think. Um, but really, that's the one of the reasons why you have past life um, sessions is to go back to the where it started fix it there and then heal it forward absolutely and the akashic records if someone has access to that they can see okay and this is going on in my life this is where it started in a different experience that if i were to heal that it's gonna be instantaneous now in a sense right another reason to go the akasha is to um and this may be the main reason um, figure out life plans and, you know, why does this keep happening to me? Oh, you know, to get some of the questions, the big questions in your life answered. What, why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, um, why do I keep kind of running into these situations? So that you can see patterns over your life and maybe get questions answered that way. And you said the naughty why question, but that's okay. We will give you a pass on it. The why? <laughs> well, for me, like asking why is like a victim question. Like it loops, like if to ask why this is happening energetically, you tell the universe, give me another experience as to why this is happening. And it creates this victim cycle. Uh, so I always tell people like, instead of asking why, ask what could I do differently? What could I heal that will shift this? Or a question like that, that is I'm not just asking for the information as to why and creating another cycle of experience, but rather what could I do to break the cycle? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a word nerd. <laughs> well, that makes two of us, or maybe three with Casey, because um, hypnotherapy is all about words. I mean, that, that those are your tools. Oh, it's amazing. And, you know, um, uh, and, and not just words, but one thing I learned uh, early on doing the uh my not hypnotherapy hypnosis i can say that i can't say it was hypnotherapy but doing hypnosis was um uh, the way in which the words are said is is far more important also like the tonality the intonation all of that um because you know if you uh, we, we really don't retain uh consciously um or i think even subconsciously the majority of the actual words that were spoken but we remember the tone and the energy behind what was said uh like for example if you think back just like one or two sentences ago. Can either of you say word for word what I was just talking about? Nope. <laughs> right. But you remember the feel behind it. Um, and so and it goes back to sort of where I remember learning about where language sort of originated from was uh, there were no actual words. It was just the toning. And like, so a certain tone uh, might have meant, um, you know, like, okay, I'm hungry. Like, oh, it's just that kind of rise fall like, or whatever. And then that became more and more and more complex into words, but our brains are more wired to listen to the tone and the way words are said like that as opposed to the actual 
the consonant syllables, all that. Um, so, you know, and uh, that's what, like in hypnosis, we talk a certain way, you know, we're not sitting there like, hey, now you're gonna relax and then you're gonna go here and do this. It's so no, we, we talk in a very calm, grounded manner, you know, guiding that person to that deeply relaxed state. And um, just that begins to sort of entrain the person and bring them in, you know, we could, we could be talking nonsense at a certain point because they're so relaxed. We could be saying whatever we want. And they're still <laughs> going deeper into that relaxed state. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to bring up. Um, but, but yeah, but no, I guess I know Hank is really big on the words and I'm much bigger on the, um, like the energy behind the words. So Hank always catches me saying things. Right. Well, <laughs> one of the reasons I do that, especially on live streams is uh, though someone might use the energy of a word, right? Like they just use a label that could be misidentified by someone who doesn't pick up on the energy of what was meant behind the word. And so it's, it's very, for me, it's important uh, to, to tweak that when it comes up. So uh, three things. One, I'm gonna go back and listen to the tone of that tree now. Since I don't speak tree, I'm going to see, listen for the tone. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh. you guys can come with me. <laughs> um, two, you mentioned, Casey mentioned nonsense. And, you know, sometimes you do use nonsense because you need to confuse the analytical brain at times and let it just think about something. So sometimes even nonsense works. <laughs> there oh, yeah. It's plain nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Right. And third, I know, Hank, you have some stage experience, and I do too. And Casey, you brought up um, how you say it. I've learned uh, doing plays that you can deliver a, the same line three, four, five different ways, and the effect on the audience would be different. Same words, same words. And sometimes I would test it out. You know, if you do three shows in a row, for example, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, just try delivering a line a different way and see if you get the laugh. <laughs> well, and then, well, I know, uh, and was speaking a little bit more about, about the importance of words, because I did want to touch and make sure I was clarifying that words, word choice is also very important um, on top of the tone. But there was an experiment done um, at a military base, and... Um, a psychologist came in and was working the line at the cafeteria um, at this military base. And um, he had some fruit that like most of the people there had never had before, like a guava or something that like most of the soldiers had never heard of. So uh, he's at the end of the line. And the first day uh, he asked, uh, would you like a guava? And uh, the majority of people said no and didn't take it. Um, so then I don't know if it was a different base or whatever they tried to test with the same base, just different day or whatever, however they did it. And then the second base, um, he asked it a different way. It, it was, um, there was one in between this, I don't, I'm not remembering, but then at the end, the last day, he asked, would you like one guava or two? Um, and then half the people took one, half the people took uh, two. Um, so uh, just how, depending on how you ask the, the question will really create a different um, uh, uh, effect and response. Um, so yes, the word choice is important, but if you combine that, like a like really powerful uh, word choice with um, being really mindful of how your the, the tone is coming across and all that. Well, now you've got a really powerful combination for really creating some powerful change. And I practice this daily with my kids, and it is a work in process. I'll tell you, like <laughs> how to say it. And but but that that is how they um in parenting books and stuff they'll tell you present something to a child. Do you want option A or option B? Don't just say what do you like to do. You got to give them a little bit more 
context to make them feel like they're having a choice, but they're still doing what you'd like. <laughs> and, and, and there's guiding them with that, but yeah, good stuff. You know, when you, um, start practicing hypnosis and hypnotherapy, you do become really conscious of word choice and, and how it's delivered. And then also it, it bleeds over into everyday living. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Um, a friend of mine who does hypnosis has been having some ongoing medical issues for the last couple of years. And we both had a similar experience with our medical offices, which are healing centers, right? And um, she said to me, she noticed at first, she said, uh, you know, I went in there and it was like, what's your card or what's your card number? Give, give us your medical card and what's your name? And after about the 40th time <laughs> from visits, she said, well, good morning. How are you? Um, and then I noticed that at the office that I go, which is pretty busy and it's part of the hospital system. So it's kind of like big business, <laughs> uh, medical. It was the same thing when I went in it was, did you bring your card and what time, what's your name? And I, I really was taken aback. I don't think that's the way you answer. You greet your clients. I imagine when they come to you, I, it, it starts the whole you know, do I really want to be here? Is this really going to help me? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> In my mind, when, I, when I'm greeted that way. Now, when it comes to big business, though, one of the, the definition of efficiency in, in, in terms of uh, what I view for the corporate is how can I get the most out of someone and put the least into them? And so you get them into this mechanic, like they got to get through as many people. And if they say good morning, then that means the next person is going to have to wait a little bit longer. And it's not the truth for all the places, but a lot of times call centers and things where there's a high volume, it's really about what's your average handle time and how can you get that lower and what can you cut out? And it's just the nature of big business, unfortunately. So isn't that then the trade-off between effectiveness and efficiency at some point? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I like the way Param, uh, one of my friends, Param, who eventually will be on the show with us, he was actually on a TED Talks and everything, an amazing uh, speaker. Uh, he would say, would you ever say that to a child? How do I get the most out of this child and put the least into them? And it's like, what if you would do, <laughs> what, what, what if you looked at every relationship, how you would nurture like a offspring or a child and look at it like, how, what can I bring into this creationship instead of how can I relate away and, and separate from it? So what is one of your son's names? Hank we have uh, Max and Oliver. Max and Oliver. So did you ever go up to Max and say, um, hey, Max, in terms of inputs and outputs, this isn't a good relationship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, inputting, I'm inputting far more than I'm getting out of this. <laughs> no, my children are exceptionally aware. Like I, they were a couple years ago, three years ago. I used to take them out to like Unity uh, Hall here in Westlake, and they have like this huge labyrinth behind. And we would be going in with rattles and like having ceremony, like dancing through to the middle and all this stuff. And I was teaching them Quechua and all this stuff. And Max told me he's like, "Daddy, he's like, you can teach me all about this shaman stuff when I'm a little older." He's like, "Right now, let me be a kid." So he even had the awareness. He's like, "I'm here to have kid time now." Stop doing this. Uh, you know, I, you can teach me about this later, but not now. <laughs> oh, scared of him. <laughs> oh, and, then, and then Oliver, like his level of intuition, like you can't hide anything from the boy. I even had um, our, our Wii thing, which is a Nintendo system. Uh, 
like Nintendo sent me an automatic generated code. So it's like a code this long with random letters, numbers and stuff. And so they couldn't just go out and play. They would have to have like the password. And I hadn't had a chance to change it to what I would want it to be. And he's like, password? And he's just on the remote. And the next thing you know, he's playing. I'm like, what? I'm like, boy, let's go buy some uh, lottery tickets right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And yeah, yeah. No, it's, no one told him he couldn't do that, right? right. So he has exactly. <laughs> And they didn't tell me you couldn't do it. I'm like, well, you know, if we don't want you to watch something, maybe you, you can make a different choice here. <laughs> but I caught myself recently. I was saying why a lot because we've been at home with quarantine and the kids are home till like next fall. And so it's like a lot of more, more time with the ch kids than normal. And I would find I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are they doing this? And I'm catching myself. I'm like, I tell people all the time, don't do that. <laughs> and the energy started to shift. And I said, what could I be and do here that will create a different experience with you? And they just like, what? And like, it really stops them because it's a wholly, a, a different question entirely. And the question puts the brain into a different space where it's looking for a possibility. And then things start to change. Most people, when you, I've noticed if you just ask those questions, people that have no um, like <laughs> reference to it, they're like, what? What are you talking about, man? What am I supposed to say to that? <laughs> Well, just just stick to what else is possible. You don't have to be like I'm probably a little bit more elaborate with the kids because they're used to it. But um, yeah, but even that I've asked that like, what else is possible? People are like, um, maybe this. I don't know. What are you asking? Like, what, <laughs> like that's, that's an open question. But there was like people in access that their their flight was canceled or whatnot, and they're like, well, what else is possible? Like they were saying, oh, I, I'm going to put you on a flight tomorrow. And like, oh no, I have a class tomorrow. What else is possible? They just kept what else is possible, and and the next thing you know, well, I can get you on this flight. You actually get an hour early and we are upgrading you to first class so like if you really are persistent with what else is possible and don't settle for and how does it get any better than this oh, yeah. from joy of business uh simone melissa i don't know if it was her she was telling the story about or her friend but um similar thing where she got to a hotel and there was like a mistake in the booking so they didn't have a room for her and she just asked how does it get any better than this and they're like um what do you mean she said like, how does it get any better than this they're like, hold on, let me get my manager. And the manager comes in, they tell him about the situation. She just goes, how does it get any better than this? They're like, um, well, let me see. Like, well, we do have uh, the uh, like penthouse suite that's not taken up right now. And uh, we could give it to you for the regular rate. Uh, but that's the only one we have. And she just goes, how does it get any better than this? And they go, well, we'll send up some champagne and some food for you. <laughs> and she just kept asking. She get this amazing penthouse suite. Normally, she was just paying for like the one of the cheapest rooms they had. And she, that was all she did was ask that question. Now, and take those questions <laughs> to what Paul does when you go to the Akashic Records and you're seeing stuff for like your life and for healing. Like to be in the energy of that possibility when you're getting information and you're receiving healing, that could expand exponentially what you could get out of a session. I would assume too. It does. I like. I'm. I'm writing down. I steal from the very best, and I'm writing down what it is. If you find yourself quoted or paraphrased someday, know that I consider you one of the very best. <laughs> so I've labeled those Jedi mind tricks. Oh, <laughs> oh, so now you go Star Wars instead of Shabbos, you go Shaman mind tricks. You go to How does it get any better than this? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the possibility you're looking for. <laughs> if you think about it, though, the language that they use in those, and I have to bring back the movies, it's very positive and mm -hmm. kind of steering them into a different direction. 
Yeah, it's uh, very metaphysical if you watch it with the metachlorians and how like life force energy works. There's a, I don't know if he was real educated around that type of thing, but there certainly was a, a, a common thread between Star Wars and metaphysics and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see how it could be a coincidence. Cool. And Paul, are you able to? I know, like, uh, it's uncertain with uh, times going forward, like how much in person things are happening. I know we're reopening the center on the twelfth. If you didn't know officially, I didn't know. Yeah, yep. the center will officially be reopened on the twelfth. But if someone was interested in like experiencing the akashic record, like hypnotherapy that you do, is that something that can be done remotely, or is that uh, something that's really like an office only type of uh, service? It can be done remotely. I, I since I did the group. For for um, um, Melissa, I was stumbling on her name <laughs> next door. The yeah, that was all done via Zoom session. Okay. So I, you know, I would love to have the camera on if if person were uh, agreeable with that. But it can be done by phone. That's so. How to how to do that? Well, you you would just go to the holistic health and healing uh, website and schedule a fifteen minute conversation conversation or what do we call them not conversations but consultation, consultation. it was a c word <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you need to talk about it i could help you um you know figure out if this is the thing for you right now or if you just uh are convinced that it is then schedule yourself a time it would be a longer session there's the short session on there and the longer i think we call them basic and advanced it's an advanced and um, that automatically will put you on my calendar. So it's it's really easy. If you want to talk about it, the consultation is the road to go first. Yep. And uh, that's even scheduled. And I put the website up on a banner for people. And it's also, if no matter where you're watching this, except for the watch party that I started, it won't be there. Uh, I don't know if it's there. But uh, in the description for the video, there is a link to get in touch with who our guest is. So you can just click that. It will take you right to there. Or you can manually you know, do the finger typing to type it in if you'd like. <laughs> but Paul, is like, I've, I've experienced uh, Paul's meditation every every week. Of that's meditation and movement series at the center and we've just been live streaming it and it's been the just the way that he brings people through with the meditation he, he really i believe that you're one of the experts when it comes to that paul like you're one of the best and i have you don't know this paul or maybe you do but i've studied with dick sutfin even and so I've oh, you have. I have I have studied with Dick Sutphin. I've had a couple workshops when I was uh, going through my training at fellowships. I did every extracurricular thing I could do. And uh, Casey, if you don't know who Dick Sutphin is, he I call him. He's like the godfather of past life regression hypnotherapy. Oh wow! Because he he stumbled across it quite accidentally when he was regressing like um, couples, and they were having the same experience. Uh, like past life experience in different sessions without talking to each other. They had that. So he started looking at that very deeply and it, it sprung into a whole business around it. Um, but he's amazing. And I would, and I've been in the class with Dick and I've been in the class with Paul and uh, you know, I would say you're right up there. So don't, don't give yourself some credit. Really. You are internationally known. Own it. Own it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Satfen, for Casey's uh, knowledge, also uses shamanic techniques in his hypnosis, if, if that's something you want to pursue. Very cool. Um, I've, I studied with Dick indirectly. He designed the first hypnotherapy training program 
that I uh, took. It was delivered by someone else, but he created the class. And I'm, I've been aware of him for like 20 or 30 years. Hmm. Um, I'd love to take something. If you think he's advancing in age, do you think he'll ever come back to Lillian? Um That's a question for off air. But yeah, I, I, he's, he's definitely advancing in age. He hasn't traveled for well, actually. I think he came back just the uh, two years ago. Like he made a he'd been gone for quite a while, and then he kind of came back, and then uh, he's been gone again. Yeah, 2018. I missed it, unfortunately. Yeah, so, and you know, Patty Conklin used to travel all the time, and they were a hoot because Dick or uh, Dick would talk first, and then Patty would get up there, and Patty doesn't believe in any of this stuff. Like she doesn't believe in chakras because she she sees the energy of the world like you would like neo would see the matrix she's like i've never seen a chakra so it doesn't exist in my world i'm not saying it doesn't exist but it doesn't exist for me so he would go on and then she would come on and be like i don't believe any of that crap he just said and then she would do her thing but they really worked really well together as like this um yanatan pair this yin and yang um, experience and people really received it well because they were getting both perspectives different models yeah, yeah. definitely so um, I just wanted to mention a little bit about the meditation and motion class, if we have time. Oh, absolutely. So that, that happens live Sunday mornings at 8.15 uh, with Hank doing the technical work in the background. And um, I think it's the greatest deal that I've ever seen of this type of thing. Um, if, if you want to take it live, you can. If you don't, you get a link for the class, and you can not only use it on Sundays, but you can use it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The link is good for seven days. So I think we're charging $16 for the class. And if you were to use it every day, I mean, it comes down to like two or three bucks a class. Um, it's a um, meditation class with just enough yoga thrown in to prepare the body to be able to go into a very good meditative state. If I had to describe it in two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even put the Y word in because it is such a subtle movement. And the way that Paul explained it in the past is that the body, if you do these like little subtle movements that he walks you through first, it prepares the body to be more deeply relaxed. It gets rid of the tension that might be held and it just allows for a much deeper experience. I'll put the link right to, um, this will go to YouTube and I think the Facebook actually it's only going to go to YouTube. So if you're watching on Facebook, click over to YouTube, you'll see the link in the comments uh, or just go to holistic health and healing and go under events and you'll see it there movement and meditation. And he even busted out his ukulele the last two weeks. So you might get a, a <laughs> treat with Paul yeah. singing on the ukulele. So I hope I didn't do a spoiler. I hope I didn't. And, and you played bowls, I think, for the second class. was wonderful. The singing yeah. bowls in the background. Yep. I, I hope we'll come back. Yeah, and hopefully I'll have a new microphone. So, well, I have a microphone. I think it's going to work really well. I just haven't tested it. Maybe one day when Casey can come up. Because I think with some of the tech we're getting, we're going to end up using that option to not compress the audio because we're going to want the straight audio coming in. And we'll definitely need to test that out so we don't have issues. Like, I don't know what was going on this morning. Like, the technology spirits were messing with us. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of pookly eye. <laughs> yeah. I Puglia is a Quechua word meaning for play, play from a child, like playing a game, or play like sacred play in a ceremony. It's all the same word, Puglia. <laughs> Very lighthearted. I'd also like to mention, too, we mentioned Lilydale at least three dozen times this morning. <laughs> One more time. 
I'll be there. Um, this will be my eighth year of teaching there, and I'll be doing a three-hour class on a Sunday. I think it's the last Sunday in June on self-hypnosis. And oh, then all day you know, we, I think we were supposed to be there the same week. I'm teaching at Fellowships on the 27th, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. What time is your gig? Uh, it's, it was supposed to be nine to four, but they published it eight to five. So I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to wake up a little early. So I'm going to be there. Mine is in the evening, I think like seven to 10 ish, something like that. Yeah, I'll head over. But yours is Sunday. I was planning on staying the weekend anyway. In fact, I told Casey he could come down and be my class helper if he's open to it. Yes. <laughs> That's assuming it will be in person. If they say that it's got to be online, then I might be streaming the class. Um, uh, like much similar to how we're doing this uh, even for paul's class i offered paul like hey if you have to stream it um, i think they're giving the option you can go and stream it from there or you can do it remotely but anyway it may be all available virtually so if you're interested yeah. stay tuned to the facebook page and hhh will definitely announce that stuff as it comes up so you'll be at fellowships outside the gate outside the gate yeah they, they don't be at the gate anymore paul <laughs> on what day on what day saturday or sunday I'm going to be there Friday and Saturday. Friday night, I'm doing a Crystal Bowl concert. And then on Saturday, I'm doing a uh, using, t uh, I don't even remember the name of the class, uh, but it's going to be using sound to uh, raise your vibration and to uh, heal your life, basically. It's going to a sound healing class. Okay, and then I'm there Sunday. Yeah. Cool. Music uh, changes vibratory rates really, really fast. I don't know if you know this, but I. I was really, really big in the drumming and teaching hand drumming in the 90s. And uh, a very wise old woman named Dottie Aslan uh, hired me to do this a number of times for a, a group that she had. And she said, drumming raises your vibration faster than anything she knew. And I would include music in that as well in general. So if you want to change your vibration quickly, maybe only temporarily, it doesn't mean you'll sustain it for the rest of your life, but it puts into a nice different altered state really quickly. Mm -hmm. well, the more things you can do to shift yourself into like these different theta states, whether it's using a rattle, drums, music, binaural beats, meditation, uh, the easier it is for you just to naturally go there and be in that state. So you just, whatever, whatever different ways you can do it, do it however you can do it so that when you need to be there, you can just go there. Your brain knows how to go. And, and that's, um, that's one of the benefits of consistent practices. Like I did a consistent meditation practice, like multiple times a day for over two years where I was doing transcendental meditation. Uh, so like if you have a practice and you can commit to it and you can train your brain to go there, then you won't need the practice to go there anymore. Right. Do we have time for another story? I can tell you a drumming story. Yeah, yeah, we got we got time. Yeah. Do we? I mean, when I was in it in the '90s, I was kind of. Maybe we don't actually. Do you have somewhere? Do you have to be Casey? I have a reading, but we're I'm good for one more story. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was totally immersed in this drum culture for a while, and um, I came down with a really bad case of uh, allergies in the summer. Might have been in August when things are really dry, sneezing, sneezing, well, you know, everything. Went to a large drum gathering. It happened about four hours. When I was in there, everything stopped. I was playing continuously, 
but there was no seasoning, there was no eye watering, there was no nose blowing. 15 minutes down the road when I uh, was leaving to go home, it started again. Somehow being in that altered state changed me physiologically. I don't know how. Well, there's something to be said. There's a concept from Patty Conklin uh, that, that every tension and trauma and all the stuff is held in cellular memory. And uh, the, she has a whole technique called color works where it's like, what color does my body need to shift this from this to this? And when you are exposed to sound therapy, especially uh, like multitude of variations and drumming and stuff, it starts to loosen up the sludge. And when that stuff starts to move and you can uh, move it out of the system, the physical stuff out of the system, because you're having the energetic healing, but you're getting a physiological benefit too, because all the stuff that's stored in the cellular memory, it gets released and uh, you purge it one way or the other, whether you're snotting it out or something else. <laughs> I noticed that a lot with um, doing uh, like shamanic healing or even just uh, massage therapy. Um, there were times when, um, you know, whatever it was, like a, a allergies or like had like a little bit of a cough or something. And I'm worried like, oh, you know, what is, am I going to be able to get through the massage? I can't be sneezing on people. And then I go in, as soon as I start to do the healing work, it's like, no, I'm good the whole time feeling great. And then, you know, a few minutes afterwards I finish, it's like poof, sneezing again or whatever. So same thing when I'm doing healing work, I know it's that. Yeah, it was interesting. Mm. Cool. Well, th thank you so much for being on with us, Paul. This was a lot of fun. It was. Thanks. Yeah, we yeah. got yeah. Back afterwards. Back. Just throw me an invite. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> we'll definitely uh, connect if we want to go find that tree. Yeah, if you're if you're still with us uh, or you came in partially through, please go back, watch the full thing. We had tech issues at the beginning, but it led to some really great stories and conversation. And while you're watching it, please host a watch party. Or if you're over on uh, YouTube, make sure you subscribe, turn the notifications on and give a thumbs up for the video. It definitely helps us out. <laughs> All right, guys. So thank you, so thank much. you, everyone. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>